Hello, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 4. This is our big Rage of the Red Lanterns episode. We're going to be talking about Final Crisis Rage of the Red Lanterns, written by Jeff Johns, drawn by Shane Davis. Awesome art by Shane Davis. Very. I'm so used to Ivan Reyes that I was a little nervous going in to see something like this not drawn by him, but it turned out really good. And uh, inks by Sandra Hope. Just a quick little add-on. There was an interview with Shane Davis in the most recent issue of Toy Fair. They were interviewing him because he did the art for Superman Batman, and they just made action figures based on that story. And they asked him if perhaps there were any figures from the Rage of the Red Lanterns issue drawn by him. And he has actually said that they've already come to him asking about an Atrocitus figure. So we have that to look forward to. Will they make the cat? Tell me they'll make the cat. You mean Dexstar? Yes. Couldn't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his name was actually only announced in an interview on wizard.com. It may be uh, in the magazine, but that's where I saw it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get the way cool awesome cat, as I have named him. Way cool awesome cat? Yes. I'll call him Dexstar. That's his actual name. Fine. Be that way. I will. So you want to start us off with the recap? Yes. And just a note to anyone listening, even though this is billed as Final Crisis, Rage of the Red Lanterns, this has nothing to do with Final Crisis. So if you avoided it because you don't want spoilers from one story or another, or that you're just not buying Final Crisis tie-ins, this reads like a straight Green Lantern issue. There's the exception of like one line on page 5, Five or six? One. On page five, which I won't read it just in case, but it's just a passing comment Hal makes about something that happens in Final Crisis issue one, which is general enough, and frankly, if you know what Final Crisis is, you probably knew this detail already. So you can proceed without worry. Just to add in one little thing, this is going to be completely spoiler-filled, so be warned. Not for Final Crisis. Right. (laughs) Go for it, Dan. All right. The issue opens. You've got Atrocitus forming his Red Lantern ring and battery. On Earth, Hal Jordan's informed that the Guardians have decided to execute Sinestro on his homeworld of Korrigar. He goes to talk to Carol Ferris about it before going to help escort Sinestro to his uh, final resting place, basically. And along the way, they're ambushed twice, first by a group of Sinestro Corps members, and secondly by a giant raving mad squad of Red Lanterns, who both literally and figuratively take both sides apart. When Hal comes to, he sees that Sinestro is gone, everyone who's left behind is beaten and drifting through space, the ring's disabled and dying, and just as his ring fails him, Hal and hopefully the others, now I think about it, (laughs) is saved by the arrival of Saint Walker, the one and only first Blue Lantern of Hope. Awesome. So now we go back to the beginning, and we have Atrocitus. He's literally swimming in a pool of blood. He forms his ring from his own hatred, 
and as he charges up the ring, the emblem appears in his eye, and the emblem actually carves into his skin, and as we actually know from conversations with Jeff Johns, well, actually interviews Not, with Jeff Johns. We haven't, we don't know Jeff Johns. <laughs> yeah. We'd like to know Jeff Johns, but... Jeff, Jeff Johns, come to a barbecue. We would love to have you. Awesome. The ring actually, it replaces the Red Lantern's heart because they have no need for it anymore. So now their heart beats literally with rage. And that's where you get the now famous and some ways infamous visual of Red Lanterns kind of vomiting up large quantities of blood it's because their bodies don't need it anymore. The blood rage. This whole opening sequence of Atrocitus coming into power and forming everything. I would almost call this a very cinematic sequence, not in the way that it's laid out, but th I think this would work extremely well if someone wanted to do, like, a short film or something. Well, I mean, they could definitely make, like, at least an animated movie just to prepare you for the oncoming Black Lantern story. Yeah, and just, like, I love so much this this running, you know, heartbeat that goes through every page in the background. It creates such a good atmosphere, especially once you see what the planet he's on looks like with all the dead trees and the piles of skulls and the big blood pool. And if you notice, you have that bum 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 bum. And then as, you know, it's carving into his skin, you have the bum 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 bum. And as he emerges, there's no more bum 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 bum. That's true, because it... Oh, wow, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. It has, by now, replaced his heart. So then we go to Coast City. Green Lantern's hanging out with Cowgirl and Jon Stewart. No, he's, uh, I think that's his brother, isn't it? Oh, yeah, you're right. Jon Stewart's on Ella. Okay. And just a side note, I always forget what Cowgirl's name is. Um. Yeah, I have absolutely no idea. They've mentioned it in the past. Oh, well, we'll find it later. It doesn't matter. She's cowgirl. Yeah, she wears a cowboy hat. If you notice, this is something I really like that Shane Davis pulled off really well throughout this issue. Okay. By now, we're used to seeing the ring and the auras emanate the lantern symbol all the time. And when Hal is talking to Jon Stewart, you see what you assume is a Green Lantern emblem kind of spiking out of his ring. Right. If you tilt your head to the left, it is. But if you tilt your head to the right, exactly a Red Lantern symbol. Yeah, yeah, that's, and, that's and a nice catch. Through this issue and through Secret Origin, we've been seeing this story of Hal coping with his own rage. I think it's interesting that they actually show Carol in a plane. Yeah, until this incarnation of the series, I've never actually seen her do anything but administrative work. Right. I like the fact that their relationship has gotten to a point where they can just be that level of close friends where they know everything about each other and they've been through enough crap together that this is the one person he can talk to about absolutely anything. I really hope they don't go back to the well and have them become involved again because every time they show up on panel together, it's like they leave off with this little well, maybe it could happen kind of moment, and I really just don't want that to happen. Well, isn't she married? No. A few story arcs back. It was right before the Sinestro Corps War, actually. Right. Where uh, they had that two-issue Star Sapphire story. Okay. And it ended with, I think, Pieface making some mention of the fact that, yeah, she's really bounced back after the divorce. And oh. I was like, divorce? 
Oh, I forgot about that. Oh. Well, I mean, yeah, then they probably are setting it up for that to happen again. Although yeah. now it's a love triangle because you have Cowgirl in there too. Gotta love those triangles. Mm. Okay, so next up we have the page with uh, Scar, the Scarred Guardian, talking with Ash. Yes, Ash, the vampire hunting Green Lantern. Yes. You, you gotta love a guy who just goes around killing space vampires. Awesome. It, it's greatly appreciated, I have to say. Yeah. And then we have the Black Lantern symbol in Scar's eyes as she's talking to Ash. He has found the Anti-Monitor's husk, and it looks like the trajectory is headed into Sector 666. Now, what's interesting is that while Sector 666 is closed off to... Green Lanterns and the Guardians and everything. The planet Ysmalt is also in Sector 666. And Ysmalt is where the Red Lantern battery is. So that's like two Lantern power batteries in the same sector. I'm very much looking forward to finding out a concrete location for the Black Lantern battery. They haven't nailed it down yet. We've seen it a couple times, but I don't know. I feel like they're going to put it somewhere that Green Lantern fans would recognize, but I can't decide where. Yeah, I don't know yet, because I can't really imagine what would be in Sector 666 that would have any significance aside from the small. Yeah, and actually, before this whole Red Lantern story happened, my original thought was, oh, the Black Lantern is probably on Yasmalt. Well, that would make a lot of sense because originally that's what Atrocitus wanted out of Secret Invasion, uh, Secret Origin. He, was, he wanted it from the Skrulls. Yeah. He wanted to get the power of the Black to overcome the Guardians. You know, between all the stuff standing in his way, he kind of discovered the Red by accident. Yeah. I, want, I, w I do wonder if that means that he's going to give up looking for the Black and totally embrace Red, or if he's going to try and double his arsenal now. Or, well, I'll get to my next theory in a couple more pages about that. But um, as we travel along, we see the Guardians on Oa. They're talking about the transfer of Sinestro, and they're saying how they have to keep it a secret. And Scar, once again, is saying how da dangerous it would be if anybody knew that they were going to be transferring Sinestro. And as she says that, she has the Sinestro core symbols in her eye. Do you think Sinestro knew the ambush was coming, or do you think she just rallied his troops? Um... He didn't seem very surprised when it happened, as we'll see in a few pages. Yeah. You know, he probably did know. If he didn't know well ahead of time, then at least he did know just before it happened whether or not he's aware that the Yellow Rings are nearby is a possibility, or it could be that Scar told him and also told his posse. Because they're heavily implying that Scar is the one that tipped him off. Okay, so next we have Green Lantern confronting Sinestro in the science cells before he's about to be transported. And he wants to ask Sinestro a question. He never actually does get to ask the question, but you have a theory about this. Yeah, and I don't know how important it would be to future stories or anything, but one of the holdovers from the Sinestro War was that... There was a scene where Parallax showed Hal Jordan an in-the-cockpit view of his father's crash that killed him. And right before the crash, his dad said something, and we saw just a blank word balloon. And Hal never found out what his father's dying words were. 
So what I was thinking is that Parallax likely knows, and Parallax and Sinestro have been working closely for a long time, so I gotta think it would have come up, you know, what Hal Jordan's father's dying words were. And, I don't know, if I was Hal in that situation, I would want to know. That's That's a very good theory. I like how Sinestro still has that scar that Kyle gave him on his back. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I guess kind of a broad question. What do you think about the fact that the Green Lanterns are now executing people? I think I think in a way it it almost kind of makes sense because now you have these people they're like they're basically like terrorists the way that they just kind of like sneak up and they, you know, are imposing fear on people and they're not killing all the people that they come across, but since Sinestro is like the ringleader of them, <laughs> yeah, ringleader. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. I don't know. It just, I think it probably would make sense if they were just kind of like absorbed into the battery or something like that. I don't know, because this is, it's a theme that's a big deal in pretty much everything Green Lantern's going on right now. Yeah. That now all of a sudden this peacekeeping force that's never been allowed to kill before is all of a sudden permitted to kill if they need to, and they have a death row now. I think it's so situation-specific and case-by-case that I can't really get on one side or the other of it. You know, one thing that I have to wonder is if they can take the power batteries and, like, slip them into, like, a pocket dimension that's accessible everywhere, but, you know, you have to basically know where to look to open it. I mean, if they have pocket dimensions like that, and how come they don't use that to store the villains in there? You know, something like that. It it just seems like, or even the Phantom Zone. You'd have to imagine that the Guardians of the Universe would know how to access the Phantom Zone. It just seems like there are a lot of options instead of killing. Although, I think when it comes right down to it, the whole point of using the Deadly Force so that you can kill off a whole bunch of Green Lanterns and Yellow Lanterns and Red Lanterns and everybody else is because they want to populate the Black Lanterns. I think that you're going to see most of the deceased Green Lanterns and Yellow Lanterns as Black Lanterns in the future. Yeah, we don't go too far into it, but looking back on Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps since both series started up a couple years ago now, yeah, I've become like just painfully aware of how many pockets of dead people there are in both of these series. Yeah, seriously. And like these, this this army is going to be so ungodly massive. And not to mention, it's going to have like skilled, trained fighters that are trained with the ring. Moving along, we have this giant two-page spread of a bunch of Red Lanterns. Yes, Atrocitus is building his core. Yes, we have Atrocitus front and center. In the lower left corner, that's Vice. You know, the little blue cat, that's Dexstar. Yes. We have... Uh, who's the uh, former Green Lantern girl? Lara. Lara, that's it. If you look in the background, the upper left side right in the center, you see a shark. Oh, yeah. kind of wonder if that has anything to do with the shark that Hal Jordan has come up against. I don't know. Was he a race, or was he one of a kind? He was one of a kind, but he was, I believe, abducted? Yeah, by the, um, the little, uh... The gremlin dudes. Yeah, the little yellow 
German-speaking gremlins, which taken out of context, that is weird to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next page. Now it, we have what looks to be the other four inversions, atrocities being one of the five inversions. So the other four basically crucified on eight lantern posts. Now, I took this to mean that the other four are dead, and that he drained their blood to make the pool that he and presumably all the others immerse themselves in to form their rings and batteries. I think that you're probably onto something, but I have another theory about this, and my theory is that the other four inversions basically wanted to die to give their blood for the Hate Lantern because they knew that once they were dead, they would have access to the Black Lantern power. Oh. Because that was what the, the prophecies were all about. They all wanted this black power to take down the Guardian. Well, obviously, if you're going to have all this black power, the only way to be able to use it, if you're not the black hand, is to be dead. I'm guessing. That's an interesting idea. And I like how on this page they reinforce the fact that this is not just another core out to get the Green Lanterns. They're against everybody. Yes, they each have their own personal goals to go after. I think one of them... Who is it? Vice. His whole deal is he's full of rage because Archilio, Sinestro's general, basically his Kilowog, he's a cannibal and he ate Vice's mate. So it's... right there you've got someone whose whole beef is with the Sinestro core. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. Apparently the Red Lantern rings feed on their enemy's blood. So it would be in their best interest to cause as much collateral damage as possible, no matter the situation. Yeah. I wonder if that's how they would charge in the field. Like how the Sinestro Corps had manhunters flying around that just had their power battery heads full of yellow energy. Maybe the Red Lanterns can cop a charge off of killing enough people. Probably. Next page we get uh, just a one-page scene catching us up to the controllers. They're like the cousins or so of the Guardians who are seeking the orange power. And they've narrowed it down to one planet. Okara. That sounds like it should be familiar, but it's not. Yeah, I don't know that name at all. We can't really go into the Orange Lanterns much yet, but one note I will make is to show the coordinates on the planet, they actually have the Orange Lantern symbol above it. Orange is the power of greed. The Orange Lantern symbol is a circle that's kind of pointing in at the center of itself. Yes. So it's, it's, it's literally self-centered. Moving on, we have them transporting Sinestro back to Korrigar for execution. A note on that, did it strike you that the sign cells are just unnecessarily big? I don't know about that, but what did strike me as odd was the fact that the science cells are basically movable. Yeah, they just kind of take it out and pearl it through space. Yeah, it's kind of modular. This is one more time where it just kind of strikes me as odd that why would they just kind of fly through space instead of using hyperdrive or whatever. But if they did that, then they wouldn't be able to tell the story. We'll let it slide this time. We have a quick little scene where you have Budika and her sister. Yes, I forgot about her. It's barely anything. They don't really make mention of it too much. They don't make a big deal out of it, but Bodica, who is an Alpha Lantern, and her sister, who is now a Green Lantern also, apparently the sister came along to observe. I wonder what that's going to mean for later on. 
I liked this little note that Sinestro knows the individual fears of the Green Lantern Corps. Didn't come off to me as he can sense it. He's just kind of memorized them, <laughs> which makes sense because his whole deal is fear, and he's leading a fear army. Yeah, it makes sense to know the fears of your enemy. So we have this uh, this fuzzy guy, Arcs, the Green Lantern of Sector Four Eight Eight who gets his head completely blown off of his body. Ow. Yes, from a yellow fear beam. Now, just a quick note. Um, there's not really any love lost for Arcs dying, because apparently, like, he's this really kind of super competitive jerk guy who... You know, they make a mention of it in the Secret Files about how when he became a Green Lantern, he was extra happy about it because it was one more thing that he could hold over his brother. You know, something I'm going to actively try and look for in upcoming issues right. is whether or not we actually see his brother inducted into the core. Oh, that would be interesting. And I can see it as something they just do as kind of a throwaway panel or something. Like the first time we ever saw Sodom yet, it was in a just a random training panel where they just happen to say his name. Um, at the bottom of the page where Arcs gets his head blown off, we see a bunch of yellow lanterns all of a sudden just appear as they were hiding and waiting for Sinestro. And the little blue guy, that is Gleam. That would be the yellow lantern who is that gremlin that speaks German from back in issue 5 who was with the group that experimented on the Black Hand. I think they took Hector Hammond as well. They did. And also the shark. They, they were busy. I love how the Sinestro members here are. They're not just your straight up humanoid aliens. Like, there's some kind of weird elephant creature and, like, a, a stingray yeah. flying through space. And, uh, was it Roman Rue? Tomar? Or, oh, oh, no, I don't know the guy's name. Yeah. It's Tomar's race. R a Ronan. I think it's Ronan Rue. Sounds like a Scooby-Doo name. <laughs> Ronan Roo! <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so they have a nice little battle with the Sinestro Corps, and Jon Stewart makes mention of, how the hell did they know we were here? And then they just quickly show Scar, and she's got one eye Sinestro Corps, one eye Green Lantern. You know, I think I made mention in another episode how I don't usually hear voices or sound effects in my head when I read a comic. With this issue, every time they cut away to Scar's eyes, I kind of get that that high pitched, you know, horror movie tone. <laughs> like you know, you know how whenever something scary will be, they're building to it in a horror movie. Now they'll have that kind of high pitched thing. Yeah. All of a sudden, comes up and goes away. That's what I get from this. I get, for me, I guess it's it's kind of the opposite in that like you're watching this whole battle and it's so much action and everything. And then all of a sudden they show the eyes, and it's like the silence. It's like, you know, you have all this loud action, and it's just silence as they see, as you see the eyes, punctuated by the silence. And I, the fact that both of her eyes have the two different factions, feeling that I got from it is that she's playing the Sinestro Corps against the Green Lantern Corps, so that she can have more people when she's in charge of the Black Lantern Corps. I think this is her just preparing and building up her army while she's also searching for the power. And she had, in that respect, it's a nice happy accident that the Reds show up. I didn't get the impression that she had anything to do with the Red Lantern 
Jones no. coming around. No, I don't think she knew yet. We get a nice mention of Mongo and how he's been trying to kind of take, take over. over the, yeah. And Sinestro's absence, which I would like to see that fight. I would love to see Sinestro get his ring back and just throw down with Mongo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's the way that they'll go, or whether they'll give Sinestro a ring to another core. Because it's the Sinestro core, but I think that there might be a slight chance that they'll make him a Green Lantern again for some reason. He's either going to end up yellow or green. I could definitely see the Guardians bringing him back into the Green Lantern core as an attempt to kind of consolidate the Green Lantern and Yellow Lanterns against the other cores. Mm, Maybe the idea that Sinestro's forces will follow him, but the fact that he has a green ring on means that he also has allegiances to Oa kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know yet. We have uh, the cute, adorable little cat, Dexstar. Best cat in space, powered by hate, ever. <laughs> yeah, he goes nuts. He uh, vomits his red rage fire vomit, destroys a yellow lantern dude. He never gets a name. Yeah, no, he's just kind of like this lumbering, dumb yellow guy. Right before he can give Sinestro Let's a see. ring again. We have the death of a green lantern on the next page. This yes. guy with the, with the white beard and the white hair and the white pants. Yes. And his name. His name is Remnant Nod. Yes, I looked him up too. Awesome. He's from Sector Eleven Thirty Two. He was a he was a political prisoner, I think. Yes. In his world. As soon as he became a Green Lantern, he immediately started to basically fight the man and lead uprisings and stuff. Oh, well, here's a quick uh, little thing about that Yellow Lantern that died by Dexstar. He's from Sector 3. That's the same sector that Bedovian was from. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess he did die. Well, he may or may not have died, but he definitely uh, lost his ring. Bedovian was the the big snail-like sniper. Oh, wait, is that? Or was he the virus? Oh, yeah, he was the sniper. He could basically survive for this ungodly amount of time in the same spot, wait out any target, and using his yellow ring, hit you from the other side of the sector. I think the last time we saw him was at the beginning of the Sinestro War, where Jon Stewart took him out. So we have the army of Red Lanterns, and we have the ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum again. The rings basically feeding on the blood of the torn apart Green Lantern. Speaking of, of feeding on, <laughs> I get a kick out of this guy. This is the second time he showed up in this book. I don't think he's been named yet. He is on this two-page spread for the top panel. Right. The bottom right corner. Yes. He's the guy. He's of the same race as Gallius Zed, who is a Green Lantern that was just... A big head with arms and legs. Yes. And he's just eating a guy. And even though it's a gruesome, horrific death scene, there's just something about this giant head with a full-sized person in his mouth. It's just funny. Yeah, it's very, very catchy for the eye. I would like to see him again. I'm sure we will. Hooray! We see that the... Red rage fire can burn in space. It's burning the science cell where Sinestro is inside. And I didn't realize it at first, but that the panel on the bottom where you kind of see a almost an X-ray of 
all the blood vessels in Sinestro's body. Yes. Like, I didn't know what that even was the first time I looked at it. Oh, and then yeah. I looked again and I saw, oh, alright. Yeah. And what's interesting, if you look at his heart, you can see the red emblem, basically, kind of. Oh, wait, no, that looks more like the fear. Never mind. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of tough to make anything out of that. I'm just looking at it as, as it's the heart itself would be the circle, and then you've got the two prongs coming up with the partial circle on top again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess and you then, could kind of see and that. Then, yeah, and if you follow that left path around and up and over, <laughs> it kind of forms half of the fear emblem. And I'm probably reaching for that. Yeah, you might be reaching for that one. We do know for sure that I'm glad they put in there is that we see Lara, the Red Lantern, formerly green. She fires on Hal Jordan and the energy comes out of her ring, which up to now I've only seen Red Lanterns kind of vomit up their power. And I was a little afraid that that would be the only way that they could shoot people. It could just be that because she's so new at it, she hasn't given in to the destroying people by vomiting on them yet, and she wants to actually use the ring like when she was a Green Lantern. Yeah, that could be. Uh, don't know yet. Now we have the very, very best part of this entire book. Yes, the the red fire basically dissolves the Green Lantern aura. It melts away any constructs or anything like that. It incapacitates the ring, and it corrupts the power. Yeah, we see Hal's ring trying to run a diagnostic on itself, and all it can say is ring incapacitated, power corrupted, power levels unknown. It can't even tell him how much energy it has, if any. Pretty crazy. Being hit by a red lantern is the equivalent of hitting your computer with a baseball bat. <laughs> and I think it references how back in Secret Origin, they were saying how yellow, or how fear puts cracks in willpower and the red distorts it. So it distorts it to the point that it actually just dissolves it. Yeah, especially considering how incredibly focused this rage is. Because you have to figure, even if a Green Lantern is really angry, they're still not going to have this level of sheer concentrated rage and hatred boiling inside them to the point that their rings can't function. So this is well beyond the threshold of what these machines were designed to endure. I think it's also interesting to look at the fact that when the Red Lanterns come up against the Green Lanterns, they're basically, they've just been fighting with the Sinestro Corps. They were transporting Sinestro, so they're all pretty angry, as it is. Then, when the rage hits them, they're basically powerless. Like, they can't overcome it at all. So, now, if a Green Lantern ring can overcome the yellow weakness by knowing fear and then overcoming it, then perhaps down the road we will see maybe a Green Lantern can overcome the Red Lantern's power by knowing anger and overcoming it. That's a really great deep side of this whole overarching story that Jeff Johns has been telling. It's that how do you fight a yellow lantern? Well, you learn to deal with your own fear. How do you fight a Red Lantern? You have to learn how to deal with your own anger. And basically, the characters that make it out of this, this is going to be a story of how to make them better people. We have Hal Jordan and uh, Jon Stewart just kind of floating in space. They're about to die. They have no energy left. Their costume is kind of sizzling. And they get a reprieve. You see a close-up of Hal's ring. Blue flicker starting to appear 
in the um, the Green Lantern emblem, and the caption shows that the ring's energy levels are rising exponentially. Yes. You get to the bomb panel, you see the flame turns into the Blue Lantern emblem, and you turn the page, and what do we see? A Blue Lantern, Saint Walker, the very first. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> We got power levels up to 200%. St. Walker is the only one for now, so he says, and he's been sent by Ganthet. And once again, there's two Green Lantern emblems emanating from Hal, which, depending on which way you have your head, can be the Green Lantern emblem or the Red Lantern emblem, showing just how full of rage he is. Very true, very true. Now, you made what I feel to be an excellent observation about the Blue Lantern emblem. Oh, yes. How? Well, yeah, this is this is deep. You have Saint Walker, which, right in his name, I think it's brilliant because if you want to start up uh, an entire core of hope, then going with people that are, you know, saints or religious or something like that, that's the kind of thing that does bring people hope. So you have Saint Walker, but even more than that, if you look at the emblem, it's almost like an angel. You have like the head, you have the you know legs, and then you have the two wings coming out. It's almost a religious type thing to bring people hope. Top part could even be the halo above it, or maybe the white circle around the whole thing is like a halo. Right now, I'm not usually. I want to say I'm not usually aware of coloring very much. Oh, I know what you get, Matt. The coloring is something I always just kind of glaze over as, like, it's a given. Oh, yeah, things are in color. This issue, particularly this last page, it was the coloring... Who Did we say who did the colors for this? Uh, Sandra Hope. Sandra Hope on colors. Okay. Um, She knocks this page out of the park because it is... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, not Sandra Hope. <laughs> it's... May Rufino. All right. Oh, that's right. Sandra was the anchor. Right. Oops. Right. <laughs> well, May knocked this page out of the park. <laughs> the if you look at Hal's energy, his ring is being amplified by Saint Walker's blue ring. So the energy coming off of Hal is primarily green, but it's got this like this bluish tint to it that's is very very understated. And if you look at Hal's ring itself, it's this blue-green mix that's it's just very well done. Oh, yeah. Perfect. We actually have seen Saint Walker before. He appeared in the Green Lantern issue 25 giant double-page spread showing what was going to happen in the future. Yeah, where the War of Light is in full swing. Yeah. All the different cores are fighting each other. That was actually the first time we saw Atrocitus, too. One thing that I want to go back to is uh, the reason that St. Walker appears is because Ganthet was able to sense Hal's anger. He didn't sense Hal's need for help. He sensed Hal's anger. Makes me wonder, how aware are the other Guardians about the Red Lanterns? Because it seems like they know, you know, I mean, this doesn't spoil anything really, but in Green Lantern Corps, the Guardians are very aware of the Violet Lantern Corps coming into power. So did they see the blip on the radar that was the red? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I can't tell. I think they would be more prone to seeing the Violet Corps just because it's the Zamorans. Maybe they keep an eye on them. 
one last thing. You have this blue lantern. He basically appears from within Hal's ring, which would seem to imply that Ganthet has some sort of access to an inner network between the rings or something like that. Uh, like you've, you've said that to me before, but I'm looking at this, and I don't get the impression that he like popped out of the ring or anything like that. Oh, I, I definitely think that's the case, because... Like, right on, right in the ring. You have the ring. It's dead on Hal's hand, basically. There's the slight glimmer, and then there's the emblem, like, right there in the center of the ring. And you have the power, you know, powering up. Basically, like, right on top of Hal is the blue lantern. See, what I thought when I read through it was that he was the uh, St. Walker, like, just straight up, like, flew through space. And, like, he's coming up behind Hal. That the reason the symbol shows up is because that's the visual cue of of it being amplified. Powering. Yeah, yeah. But I, although at this point it could be either. Well, you see, what you say is a good point. However, what makes me think that it is coming directly out of the ring is that if you look at the speech bubbles on the page where you know Gantt sends your anger, it's just an emanating voice. It's not actually right. coming from anywhere. And then on the next page, that's when it's it's coming from him. If it was coming from this guy, then wouldn't it be like pointing at least to off panel or something like that? It might, yeah. I don't know. Uh, have we ever seen a Green Lantern talk on a comm link with a Yellow Lantern? Because would that show up as these Green Lantern shaped speech bubbles? Or would that... Hmm, I don't know. Questions, questions, questions. Yeah. I think it does make actually a lot of sense to me that Ganthet, of all people, would be able to send people through a kind of ring network, some sort of like sub-Ethernet kind of thing where you go super fast by traveling through the rings. I bet the blue rings use Vista. <laughs> no way, Mac OS. <laughs> do, uh, do, do we think that this is essentially the role of the Blue Lanterns? Like, as in there will be less of a combatant... And more of a uh, amplifier for certain colors? I think, realistically, they kind of have to. Because if you're a, a lantern for a hope, then, you know, how are you going to beat people up and, you know, hurt people and, you know, attack other people and stuff like that? Like, you know, who's worthy of your hope? You know, that's, that's the big question that we're going to have to wait and see. Although I kind of hope they do have some kind of offensive... You, you hope? Yeah, I hope. I blew. I blew that they have some offensive trait. <laughs> because otherwise they would have just massive targets on them all the time. Well, not necessarily, because they are also there to basically save Sinestro. So, you know, they're not even going after Yellow, exactly. I'm very interested to see what happens when Blue Energy interacts with Yellow Energy. Because something you've pointed out before is that, as far as the emotional spectrum is concerned, these two are polar opposites. Right. So, what I'm thinking is that we'll see the opposite effect of what's happening with Hal's ring. That maybe if a blue lantern ring were to reach out and touch a yellow lantern ring, the yellow ring would lose power. And if that's the case, then maybe that would be their offensive move. Yeah. Maybe the maybe the blue ring's entire defensive and offensive capabilities come from the fact that you put them next to this one ring and it makes it stronger, but put it next to this other ring, it makes it weaker. Mm. 
Yeah, yeah, that's one we're going to have to wait and say about. I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed that we didn't see a better showing from the two Alpha Lanterns that were there. Well, I think that we're going to have to wait and see like how an Alpha Lantern actually holds up against a Red Lantern, because they didn't show that at all. It was very much a guerrilla attack. Where I think the whole fight lasts, like once the Red Lanterns show up, the fight lasts maybe two pages three pages or something like that yeah and then they're gone yeah i think they're probably holding out to show us what actually happens with an alpha lantern and you know a red lantern so. that's one thing i want to see them do they've 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 teased us with these alpha lanterns i want to see them really be alpha lantern-y <laughs> yeah actually if you think about it an alpha lantern doesn't have emotion yeah so are they like susceptible to yellow or red or how does that work we're gonna have to wait and see and you know going back to before when you brought up uh how do you, how do you say her name budika right her sister having her sister along the way that's kind of her tie back to her own quote-unquote humanity right interesting are we uh done with this wrap-up i think we are and i want a dc direct dextar awesome blue hate cat in space figure yeah I'll I'll be happy if they make me a Saint Walker figure. Oh, they've got to. They really do. If they're going to do an Atrocitus, I imagine they would do a Saint Walker. And have it come with a blue ring. Working. Functional. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't need to, to go that far, but I would like a little plastic I one. I do. Yeah. He's crazy. Listen to him. I'm a ball of yarn. So, okay, so now, now my question to you for this issue... Final Crisis, Rage of the Red Lanterns. Would you say this is a great issue? Or would you say this is the greatest issue? Um, I would say you just watched Stephen Colbert recently. <laughs> I would, this, is, this is definitely a very good issue. It's, I, I wouldn't call it essential. I would call it cool as hell. Yes. The cover completely lies to you because it has nothing to do with Final Crisis. This is true. But overall, I would say you can read this and enjoy it and not really regret anything. <laughs> I think it's funny that there are people out there that are kind of pissed off that this didn't have anything to do with Final Crisis. And yet, like when I was reading it, I was happy that it didn't have anything to do with Final Crisis. I am all for letting individual stories be their own thing. If they did the cover billing just to get some cross-promotion going between the two events, then okay. As long as what's inside the pages is awesome. I think they totally succeeded on that. And who knows? Final Crisis is so freaking confusing that by the end we might realize that this is a major tie-in. Yeah. It may end up turning out that way. Okay, so we're going to take one quick minute and go to our forums. Yes, we have a forum. Yes, located at thecomicforums.com. Just scroll on down as... Dan likes to say, to one of the 2L podcasts. And we have a thread in there, what was your intro to Green Lantern? It's where fans can just jot down quick or go into depth about how you were drawn into Green Lantern. What was the thing that brought you in? What was your intro? So you want to read one off, Dan? All right, well, our first one is from Paul. He says, for me, it was an issue of Secret Origins that my friend's dad had. 
I might have seen them in JLA around then too. I bought this issue and was intrigued, and he posted a cover of it's this is back when the Green Lantern series was titled Green Lantern Green Arrow and you get a picture of Hal Jordan he's gripping somebody presumably a villain in a giant green hand the villain is clutching his face covering his eyes and Green Arrow is holding this high tech supervillain helmet up in the air yelling I have his eye helmet Green Lantern he's helpless and the ca- cover caption reads you're wrong, Green Arrow. The deadly Professor Ojo is far from powerless. It kind of makes Green Lantern and Green Arrow come off as jerks. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's issue 117 of volume 2. And then he actually goes on to say underneath that, then the Blue Ribbon Digest came out and I was hooked. Now that those are something I've just recently started hearing about where wasn't it like like black and white reprints of issues or stories or something that were in convenience stores? Or am I thinking of something completely different? I have no idea. I've never heard of it before, ever. I think it's supposed to be something like that, where like it was for like mass market sale. I don't know. We'll have to look into that later. Mm. Just a quick shout-out to Paul. You can listen to him on Poptopia and the Legion of Substitute Podcasters. The other L forum. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So are we good for now? I think we're good. Okay. How do we close again? <laughs> um if oh. <laughs> Alright, if you want to email us, <laughs> you can go to lanterncast at gmail dot com and you can find our episodes, new and old, at lanterncast dot com. Or on iTunes. We're on iTunes. Hooray. We're very downloadable. Absolutely. Got a few episodes out already, and there'll be plenty more coming down the pike. Yes. All right. Until then. Until then, I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And thanks for listening. Bye.